Praise the Lord, everyone. This pastor was just announcing the Christmas service next week with the, the praise team with uh, Brother Steve and his guitar solo. My mind drifted back. For those that were in our Sunday school class this morning, we talked about worship from the wise men and how when they, uh, they came before Jesus, they presented the best that they had. One of them had gold, some had frankincense, myrrh. It wasn't about the gift, it was about them giving the best that they had. But they also, if you understand, was looking at a little boy, most Bible scholars believe was about two years old. He could do nothing for them. They worshipped with the best that they had, not based on what they got out of it, but based on who he was being the king of kings. The next Sunday... We're going to, our praise team, it's going to be awesome, but it's worship. It's worship, and it's, it's based on who he is, and not what we're going to get out of him, not what he can do, and I'm excited about that service. I can't wait for it. I love it. It's a great and wonderful time uh, of the season. I love, um, Again, I'm not a real big Christmas fan for what Christmas has become, but I do love the reason behind Christmas. Today, before we read our scripture test, I'm going to ask you to uh, indulge me. What an incredible atmosphere here this morning. Hasn't God been real? And I want us to raise our hands and one more time, just worship, just worship him. Tell him how awesome he is, how wonderful he is. Jesus, you truly are an incredible God. God, we're here today to lift you up, to worship you, and we, we pray, God, that everything that has transpired in this service so far is, has worshipped you and exalted you, and we pray that the remainder of this service would bring glory and honor to you and to your name, to your kingdom. And we pray that our hearts and our minds would be open and receptive today to the Word of God. We bless you today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for doing that. I want to... Uh, before we read, again, honor our pastor and Sister Murphy. I never take lightly an opportunity to be in this pulpit, and I do appreciate them and everything uh, 20 years now uh, that they have put into me, and I appreciate that so much. If you will turn in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 5, I have a message I told Jason before church I had a title for this uh, several weeks ago, and then he preached, and uh, he stole my title, or part of my title, so I can't title my message what I wanted to because of him. It's his fault. And uh, I do appreciate men of God that are sensitive, uh, but anyway, if you will turn to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, a little bit of a lengthy reading uh, this morning, and it came to pass that... As the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Genesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering him, uh, answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night 
and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had thus done, uh, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came, and they filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I want to title this today, Beyond the Launch. Beyond the Launch. If you will turn around, shake somebody's hand, and genuinely tell them that you're happy to see them in the house of God, you may be seated. Shortly after Christy and I met, our church went on a church canoe trip. For those that were back in those days, Pastor remembers that trip. And that trip almost spelled the doom for the relationship, the budding relationship that Christy and I were enjoying. We went on a, this canoe trip, and, and she had never canoed before. And if, for those that have canoed, you know it's real easy to flip a canoe over. They're not very steady in the water, so you have to, you have to know what you're doing. And, and so we, we drive all the way to Mississippi to a river there with the church group, and, and we get in these canoes, and we begin to uh, meander down this very slow-flowing, very easy river. And it's once we launched those canoes that we were out on the river enjoying the beautiful scenery. And if I remember, it was just a real nice morning and everything was wonderful. And, and we're just cruising down the river. And I overhear somebody say that there are three sets of rapids that we're going to have to go through on this river. Before we reach the spot where the bus will pick us up and take us to our, our, uh, back to our vehicles and the trip will be completed, concluded, we're going to have to go through three sets of rapids. And they say that all the rapids get worse the further you go. And I overheard somebody say the third set of rapids, very few people can make it through without tumping your boat over. And so that adds this new dimension of stress to this trip. So we're going through the river and we come up to rapid uh, number one. It's just where the water's flowing quickly over some rocks and, and so we, we wait and we watch and, and I see this one spot in the rocks that, that uh, doesn't seem too bad so Christy and I line the canoe up and, and I tell her, I said, just hold on to the sides and if the boat rocks this way, don't go with it. Let your arms Act like shock absorbers and you can just cruise through there. We got to rapids number one and, and we lined up the boat and straight through we went. Man, I was, was a little bit proud. We watched a few other canoes roll. Well, not many, but we watched a few roll. So we go down the river a little ways further and, and, and there we come to rapids number two. Now, it was a lot worse. 
And I can remember looking at those rapids and I said, wow, look at this. Is, this, is going to be, this is going to be the one that's going to get us. So I told Christy, I said, just put your paddle in the boat, grab the side of the boat, and, and again, just rock with it. Let's, so we lined the boat up through what appeared to be the, the best part of the, the rapids, and, and we shot straight through there. We never rolled over. Man, I was, now I was really feeling confident. A little bit arrogant, maybe. I was, yeah, this is nothing to you know, here's, we're just now dating, so I'm trying to impress her anyway with my, not just my muscles, but, you know, with my skill. And <laughs> We come up to rapids number three. And oh, my goodness. What I remember really uh, vividly about rapids number three is that as we approach rapids number three, Pastor in his canoe was holding on to a branch just before the rapids. Now, hold on before you draw a conclusion. I know what you're thinking is why you're laughing. Fixing to shatter all of that. I thought what you just thought. Oh, he's scared. Quite different. I said, man, what's going on? He said, I'm watching everybody where they roll over. And if you don't roll over, that's where I'm going. He was figuring, he was learning the rapids. That's intelligence right there. That's brilliance. So you know what I did? I grabbed a branch <laughs> right beside him. And we started watching people. And everybody that went through those rapids rolled over. Everybody. Except in one spot. And it was the one spot you wouldn't think you would want to go. The water hit the rocks and it converged in this one spot. And it was rolling. And you would think for sure that's where you would flip. But what it seems like is that because the water was counteracting each other, the canoe could just slide right across it. And so finally, we both got brave enough. I don't remember who went first, I'm sorry. We lined the canoe up and I told Christy, hold on, go with the boat, same stuff. We lined the canoe up and I paddled and we went into those, those, that set of rapids and we made it through. We never rolled over in those rapids. And man, I was proud as a peacock. Except, we did roll over on that trip. In a very peaceful part of the river. We hit a tree. The canoe went over. And I was trying my best to hold on to an ice chest standing in the water about this deep, upriding a canoe that was now full of water. Our rented paddles are floating down the river, and thank God for some helpers that came and helped me get everything right. But all of that to say that, that uh, we had a fantastic, but it almost ended, it almost ended our relationship uh, that we had just started, and both of us have decided. In fact, we decided that day, and we have kept that word to each other. We will never canoe together again it's an awesome lesson isn't it it's an awesome lesson isn't it in our text today it opens with Jesus by the sea Genesaret or the sea of Galilee and there is a multitude that has gathered to hear him and with this crowd closing in Jesus is having trouble finding that perfect place to speak from. 
Everyone must be able to hear him today that he knows that there's people in that crowd that this may be their only chance to hear him speak the words of life. So looking around for that elevated place or that that place where everybody can see him and hear from him, he sees as almost uh, by divine appointment two small ships uh, tied up there and docked at the shore. The Bible tells us that one of these boats belongs to Simon or to Peter. And the other one belonged to James and John. But I want you to notice that the Bible says, And the fishermen were gone out of them, so the boats were empty when Jesus approached them. They were empty boats sitting there. They had been there after this uh, long night of this back-breaking work that we find out that they've done. These boats had, had done that had been unproductive and unprofitable. If you can get the mental image of what these boats must have looked like, there's tackling strewn all about, there's ropes just hanging loose, the the tools that the fishermen used are are, are needing to be put in their proper place, and and perhaps there's still some lanterns hanging there from the mast that are still warm from burning all night, illuminating the darkness. The emptiness doesn't end there. The Bible tells us that there were, not only were there empty boats, but there were empty nets. And no doubt there's empty fishermen. And it's into this atmosphere, into this ship, that, that seems least conducive to a visit from Jesus. It's this boat that, that you would think Jesus won't want anything to do with, but it was into this boat that Jesus decides, there, I'm going to enter. Now understand, there's this unwritten rule in boating etiquette that even exists today, and it states you don't enter into a fisherman's boat without permission. That's just like entering into somebody's house without permission. If you want to see what kind of gun resides in somebody's house, go in there without permission, and you'll find out. The boat was everything to these men, to these fishermen. Their boat was everything. Without it, they could not provide for their family. It was their way of living. It was their livelihood. A fisherman's boat said a lot about the man who owned it because he would defend it with his life because that boat was his life. This story paints a very vivid image in my mind. It's reminiscent of how so many people in our society, so many people that we know, so many of our friends and our family lives their lives struggling, laboring in the darkness while their best efforts only produce limited productivity and and limited profitability. And the the flickering rays of hope and of light that do pierce the darkness of of human life that surrounds them only serves to illuminate their emptiness. So why didn't Jesus find a ship that was full of fish? Why didn't Jesus at least find a, a boat that had some fishermen on it? It can be summed up in this, in this one answer. Empty ships have room for Jesus. Just as empty lives have room for Jesus. But that's, that's another sermon for another day. That's not what I'm here to preach today. That was free. I'm not charging you for that. But this stranger Jesus walks onto Peter's boat and no doubt Peter standing over there watching him walks on, walk on his boat quickly runs up to see what does this stranger need that's climbing on my boat. 
And Jesus had one simple request. The Bible says, thrust out a little from the land. That's all I want you to do, Peter. I want you to loosen the boat and just thrust out a little bit from the land. And so Peter unfastened the moorings that held that small ship and they drifted away from the shore into this shallow water. Peter may have understood that Jesus wanted to teach the people from the boat. We don't know that. But I doubt that Peter understood completely or even had an inkling of understanding in the life-changing events that would soon unfold in his life. It's that part of life that that Peter illustrates when he loosens the moorings of that ship and begins to float away from the shore that's so filled with uncertainty. We can all probably relate to that. It's, It's when we leave the shores of the known to embark upon an uncharted journey. We ask questions, how long will this journey last? We we wonder where it will end and what will become of me. The answers are few, but the questions are, are many. That is for sure. And then to add to this whole situation that Peter finds himself in, he's not really certain yet. He's not really sure. He's not really confident in this stranger that has stepped on his boat named Jesus. Now understand, at this point, Peter is not a disciple. He doesn't know who Jesus is. This is just a stranger to him, and and this stranger is asked of him, and Peter, now he doesn't. And the multitude is now amassed at the water's edge, ready to hear from Jesus, this man that speaks like no one else ever spoken. And Jesus sits down on the bow of the boat, and he begins to teach And these words of of divine love and these words of redemption begin to pour out of him as he begins to teach this crowd of people there how much he loves them and how much he cares for them and how much he wants to benefit their life. And his words are spoken. They're spoken gently, but they're spoken with authority. And and Jesus conveys these concepts to this crowd that, that help reveal who he is and they reveal the nature of God and they reveal how God's kingdom works. And Peter didn't know it, but there in the shallow water, just off the shoreline, as he listened to the lessons that that Jesus was teaching this crowd, he was in a place of instruction and inspiration. No doubt Peter listened intently as the powerful words of life that flowed out of Jesus began to work in his life and began to chip away at the hardness of his heart and and the weathered fisherman uh, mindset and mentality began began to crumble. There was something different about the stranger in the boat. The parables he used made sense to Peter. He could relate. Peter could see it. He could understand it finally. And slowly the fatigue that Peter felt after fishing all night began to give way to a newfound excitement. And Peter must have thought to himself, could this be the Messiah? Now, y'all hold on just a minute. I know you're quiet and you're staring at me, but just hold on. Every one of us, everybody in this building goes through those incredible teaching moments. You know those moments that are not so easy, but they're teaching moments. You come out of them better than you went into them. There have been times where I haven't been so thankful for teaching moments. But I'm always thankful for the lesson learned. As God takes us through these moments, he uses a lot of different methods 
to instruct us in kingdom concepts. He builds in us character traits and he builds in us uh, confidences and he builds in us things that we're going to need for our future. So remember that every time you go through these very difficult teaching moments, God is trying to place something in your life that you're going to need for your future. That you're going to need for his purpose in your life. These lessons, some of them last for a moment, some of them last, it seems like, for a lifetime. I oftentimes have wondered, God, if you're trying to teach me something with this, could I hurry up and learn it? Anybody ever felt that way? God, just let me go ahead and learn. Divinely impart a learn into my mind so we can move on from this. But as difficult and uh, as these situations are, they're often just as or more so rewarding. But understand this place of instruction that Peter was, this, this thrust out a little bit from the land, this sitting in the shallow water, was not Peter's destination for the day. It was not the fulfillment of what the day would hold. It was not the fulfillment of his journey. It was not the fulfillment of what God had for him. No more than it is the fulfillment of God's purpose for your life to go through those moments of teaching and instruction. God is placing them there for a reason, for a greater purpose, for a greater goal. God never intends for us as the children of God to stay on the shore of life. God never intends for us to stay where the crowd is. The crowd stays on the shore. God expects us to start moving, to thrust out a little bit from the land. Some will take a step of faith and enter the shallow water and enter the water alone with Jesus on the boat and we we feel good because here we are, we're out with Jesus and, and Boy, Jesus, I did something great today, man. I I loosed the moorings of the ship. I loosed the ropes. and, And here we are. We're in the shallow water, just me and you. And I'm alone with you and and we begin this process of learning and we begin this process of letting Jesus pour into us his words and his wisdom and his knowledge and the things that we need for our future. And we begin to hear about him and begin to understand him. And through these trials and through these situations and sometimes it's through hurt and sometimes it's through blessing and healing and all of these things. Jesus teaches us the lessons of faith and he teaches us the lessons of trust, the lessons that will empower us for our future. It's in these moments that we understand that Jesus never leaves us nor forsakes us. It's in these moments that we understand that no matter what we go through, he has the power to bring us through it. When Brother Tenney was here a few weeks ago, he said, he made this statement, it's so awesome. He said, some people have told me, Brother Tenney, I'm in hell. He said, well, don't stop there. And it's in these moments of instruction that we learn that God never leaves us in those places, they're not our place of destiny. You don't have to say, well, I'm just destined to be this all my life. I'm just destined to feel this way. I'm just destined to be depressed. I'm just destined to be lonely. I'm just destined for all of this. That's not necessarily God's place and his intention and your destination. God has something bigger, but it's just beyond the launch. Jesus could not and did not leave Peter just sitting in the shallow water in his boat. But Jesus had a life-changing, life-altering miracle for Peter. Peter's future, Peter's purpose, Peter's calling, and his ministry 
were to be discovered that day on that boat in that water. But it was all beyond where Peter was currently at. Peter had gone out as far as Jesus had asked him. He had gone out to the place where God had told him, I want you to go, Peter. Peter was doing it right. But there was something inside of Peter that wanted more. And there was a calling for Peter's life. And we all understand what Peter ultimately became. And all of that was to be fulfilled, but it was just beyond where Peter was currently at. So Jesus turns to Peter and he makes this statement that I find so incredible. He looks at Peter and he says, Peter, launch out into the deep. Peter, I want you to launch. The word launch is to set in motion, send on a course, to hurl forcefully. But I love this one. Make a sudden, energetic movement. I'm not talking about a step of faith, Peter. I'm talking about a launch of faith, Peter. I'm talking about sudden. I'm talking about energetic. I'm talking about movement. I'm talking about going further than I've ever been. I'm talking about doing things I've never done. It's a launch of faith. I'm talking about energetic movement. I'm talking about somebody at Grace this morning getting fired up. I'm talking about somebody getting pumped up. I'm talking about somebody getting uh, excited and get moving forward. It's time for people at Grace. It's time for Grace Church to launch, to launch, to go in Jesus' name. The same faith that Peter used to unloose the ship, the same faith that caused Peter to move out into the deep is the same faith that will cause him or cause him to launch. It is the same faith that, that, that will cause you to launch. The same faith it took for you to walk to an altar and receive the Spirit of God will take you to the fulfillment of your dream. The same faith it took for some of you to be here this morning is all the faith you need to reach the place of a miracle that God has for you this morning. It ain't about coming here and doing something, but it's about I've got faith, uh, I've got faith, uh, and that's all you need to be have here this morning for God to take you to your place of a miracle. King David, he thrust out from the shore when he said, I would face Goliath. As a little boy, he said, King, I'll face Goliath. Boy, you won't talk about a step of faith. Can you imagine about a 12, 13-year-old kid coming and telling you that? 16, however old he was. David went, that's a step of faith. That's a dream. That's a purpose. That's all of the, boy, that's awesome, man. We just, whew, I wish I could do that, you know, just be like David and just have faith like David and just, man, just walk out there and just take that step of faith and say, I'll fight the giant that's facing me. David thrust out a little from the shore when he said, I'll fight that giant. But when he walked out on that battlefield, he launched. Take a second and let that sink in. There's the difference between taking the step of faith and saying I'm going to fight the battle and actually fighting the battle. I can guarantee you it's real easy for David to say, King, I'm going to fight that battle. And by the time he sees him, say, oh, you know what? Oh, not feeling good. I, I, the flu's coming. I'm just, and having a reason not to go fight. 
It's easy to say that I'm going to do something and I have these plans and I'm going to do all of these things. But when it comes down to it, it's real hard to actually do it. So David stushed out a little from the shore when he said, I'll fight Goliath. But he launched into full, floor, uh, full blown war when he stepped out on that battlefield and said, Goliath, you can come to me with your sword and you can come to me with your shield and you can come to me with your spear. But I've got the name of the Lord God of Israel and I'm launched out here baby into the deep uh, and I don't know what you got but I know what I got on the boat with me uh, and it's bigger and it's better than you've got uh, and I'm going to show you something. When Jonathan told his armor bearer his brother Jason so masterfully preached a message a few weeks ago he says let's go to the garrison of the Philistines. You want to talk about a step of faith? Two men to take on a garrison. The whole group. It's two of us. I'm Jonathan, and I got an armor bearer. And we're going to take the, that's thrusting a little bit out from the shore. That's not where the crowd is at. That's not where everybody that says, hey, boy, that's a good idea, Jonathan. Boy, I'm all, I support you with that. That's thrusting a little bit out there with just you and Jesus. So it's one thing to say, let's go take on the garrison of the Philistines. It's another thing when they stand up and reveal themselves to those Philistines. Because I could have been Jonathan and told the armor bearer, okay, we're here. See, that's the guy right there. If we stand up right now, he's going to see us and that's it. We're discovered and it's all on. And I forgot I left something on the stove at home, so let's just creep on back out. But I'm talking about launching today. Three Hebrew boys thrust out a little bit from the shore when they told the king, King, we're not careful to answer you in this manner. Our God's able to deliver us. But if he don't, we're still not going to bow down. But then you start walking to the furnace and you start realizing it's fixing to get real hot. And the launch comes when they literally launch you into that fiery furnace. Uh, but God met with them there and he delivered them. I want to tell somebody here this morning, your purpose of life, uh, your ministry that God has designed for you, your future, your destiny, your fulfillment of your life is just beyond your launch. It's beyond what the step of faith is. It's putting it into action. It's putting it into motion. It's being excited about it. It's being passionate about it. It's being full of it. Your ministry, your future, it's all beyond the launch. Grace, church, please hear me this morning. Healings and miracle power are just beyond our launch. Provision is just beyond the launch. Growth is just beyond the launch. 300 plus in service here at Grace is just beyond the, 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 this church launching. The launch to take our dream, to take the passion, to take our desires and put wheels on them and launch them. Two services are just beyond the launch. And I know there's a whole group of praise team members and singers and people went, let's don't launch them. Just kidding. Is there anybody here today ready to launch? Ready to take what it is that's inside and launch it?
to take that dream and launch it. To take that passion and launch it. To take that Bible study and stop thinking about teaching it, but launch it. To take that ministry that's been churning inside of you, and instead of just thinking about it and planning it and, and mulling it over, but launch it. That family member and that friend that you would like to witness to or you would like to invite out to dinner or, or that life for God that you would like to live or that prayer life that you would like to have or that victorious life of, of power and passion that you would love to have and you think about it and you dream about it. Man, what if I could be like sister so-and-so and pray so much? Launch that. It was beyond the launch that they make it to the deep water and Jesus tells Peter, let down your nets for another draught. Now no doubt Peter looked at Jesus kind of with that bewildered look on his face. So then I tell you a while ago I'd fished all night. I didn't catch anything. Maybe Peter could have said, Jesus, if you remember when you walked up we were cleaning our nets. We just got these things cleaned and now you want me to throw them out into this unproductive water again and get them all dirty. There's no use trying, Jesus. There's no fish in these waters. My past experience tells me that my future success is doomed. What happened yesterday and last night proves to me that what you want to do today is impossible. You see, Jesus... I've tried this before. I've tried to witness to my neighbor before. I've tried to teach a Bible. I'm not going to go through that whole list again. You know what it is. And it didn't work. I laid hands on my neighbor that they would be healed and they were not healed. So, there's no sense in trying because my past tells me that my future is doomed. How many people here this morning know somebody? I'm not going to say any of you fit in this category. But you know somebody who just can't move past their past. Maybe it is somebody here this morning whose past is prohibiting what God wants for your future. Brother Jason in his sermon again, and I'll, this is the last time I'll reference it, but I do give him credit. What an incredible illustration he had when he had one of the young men stand up here and, and, and face that wall and said, that's your future, and you're walking backwards. But Jesus was holding him, saying, I've got you. I'm looking into your future. You may not see it. Maybe you don't understand it. Maybe it's hard for you to comfort, but I've got you. Trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm directing you. I've, I'm not going to let you fall. And I'm not sure what happened. Maybe the lesson that Jesus had just taught while they were anchored in the shallow water begins to dawn on Peter. Because he looks at Jesus and he says, Nevertheless, Jesus, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, I want somebody here this morning to understand, regardless of your past, despite your failures, no matter how many times your best efforts came up empty, there is a blessing from God that comes just beyond your launch. It's just beyond your launch. And so Jesus tells Peter to let down the nets. 
Now I want to point out this is, this is a plural uh, word here. He said nets with the S on the end of it. But the Bible says that Peter let down his net. One. I don't know why Peter, if he had a reason or not, that he only let down one net because uh, maybe it was because he didn't believe he would catch anything because of his past experience. He decided that, God, I'm just going to put a limitation on what you want to do for me today. But I believe that Peter let down only one net because he was the only fisherman on the boat. Two nets would require two men. And Peter didn't have a whole lot of confidence in Jesus. And so maybe he didn't know how good he was. You know, this boy is a carpenter. He's not really a fisherman. But I want you to understand if God has it for you, he will not let it overwhelm you. God has your back. If God has something he wants to do for you today, he will take care. I promise you it won't crush you. I promise you the ministry God has for you, it won't envelop you. I promise that the Bible study, whatever it is that God wants for your life, he's got it. Jesus already had in his mind the size of the miracle and he had ordered those fish to fill the one net that Peter had let down. That's why I believe the Bible says the net began to break. He was supposed to let down two. There are people here this morning that God has already, he has already planned. He has already has the size of the miracle that he has intended for you. He orders it, it will stretch your capacity to receive from him. But I want you to know your health will be better than you think it could ever be again. You will have more money than you will ever need. You will win that lost person that you think is hopeless. You will far exceed expectations in your ministry. God is going to perform the miracle despite the limitations that we have placed on him and that life has placed on him. But it's just beyond the launch. It's just beyond going big. There's something about when we get excited, that excited movement of the launch that changes the atmosphere. You notice that in this boat, we remember it was empty, but the boat goes from empty to overflowing beyond the launch. Past failures, the no fish of yesterday are replaced by present success just beyond the launch. And the limitations of not having but one net is overcome by sheer abundance. But it all happens just beyond the launch. It's just beyond the launch. The miracle of fish was so great that Peter could not handle it by himself. He called for James and John to come help him. And when he finally got the nets in both ships were about to sink, the Bible says, and their nets were beginning to break. It's the abundance of the miracle beyond the launch. I wonder if there's anybody here today, if anybody has something that God would like to do for you that's so big, that's so massive, that what God wants to bring into your life, it's so huge that you can't contain it, that you can't receive it all. 
and you begin to have to call on other people. I want you to come receive some of this overflow. I'm so, I've, got, I've got so much from God coming in that I can't contain all of it. Hey, James. Hey, John. Come on over here, buddy. I've got something for you. I want you to take some of my overflow and I want you to put it into your life. Uh, I'm being so powerful for God right now that I want you to become powerful. I have so much faith right now in God. I'm going to impart some of that faith to you and you start using it in your life and you start building up your life. I have so much abundance of the Spirit of God. I can't contain it all. But hey, I want you, Sister Yvonne, and I want you, Brother Mike, I want you to come take some of this overflow from God and I want you to apply it to your life and let God use you to receive the miracle and then take it and give it away to others. It's all just beyond the launch. The miracle. That's what I wanted to title it. The miracle beyond the launch. And somebody titled their message the miracle in the maybe. It's beyond the launch, folks. Just past where we currently are. It's just past. And I know some have launched. I know that, but... To stop talking about great ideas. To stop talking about soul winning. To, top, to stop saying, I'm going to be. Oh, I'm going to, I can just see myself in the future being this great stalwart prayer warrior. Well, quit seeing it in the future. Launch it. Jesus is saying, launch into the deep the miracle that you need, the miracle that you want, the miracle that's going to bring the fulfillment to your life, that's going to satisfy the miracle that's going to do, it's all beyond the launch. It's just past that that excited movement, that sudden excited movement that we have that uh, bottled up in us that we could just pour into a situation or circumstance or, or whatever it is. It's beyond the launch what God has for you. I know it's easy to, to sit and, and I understand that a lot of times my, my nature is a little cynical and, and so I don't want to sound cynical, but we sit and we, we wait for God to show up and do this magnificent thing in our life. God, I'm ready for you to, to heal me. I'm ready for you to provide for me. I'm ready for you to do such and such for me. And God says, okay, Launch. That abundance of fishes that you're looking for, Peter, you got to launch. I know you thrust off a little from the shore. I know you did that. You took that step of faith with me. I'm all about that, Peter, but that's not where the fish are. The fish, you don't catch netfuls of fish in shallow water. If you want that, Peter, launch. And what God wants to do for you and what God wants to do for me and what God wants to do for grace is just beyond the launch. It's just beyond the launch. There's a few things about this story I want you to notice if you'll stand with me.
bring it to a conclusion. Notice that Jesus told him to let down the nets. He did not say you need new nets. It was the same old nets that Jesus told Peter to let down. Now I'm going to meddle just a tad bit here. Probably not the right time, but I'll do it anyway. We don't need a new revelation. We don't need a new message. We don't need new core values or a new Bible. We just need to launch. We don't need to let down. I've had people, I've heard it, I've heard the stories. If we would just do such and such, boy, the crowd would just come. We don't need a new net. We just need to launch. Peter didn't go into uncharted water. Peter wasn't in unfamiliar seas. Peter didn't need a new place to fish. He just needed to fish beyond the launch. One of the most striking things, in my opinion, about this whole story is found in verses 8 through 11. And I'm not going to take the time to read them. I've already been preaching for 45 minutes. Can you believe that? But Jesus performs this great miracle for Peter. And Jesus calls Peter to be a disciple. He says, Peter, thou shalt catch men. In other words, Peter, I'm going to make a soul winner out of you. You're going to start introducing people to me. You're going to start catching men. And immediately, Peter did. Because the Bible says that Jesus told Peter, you're going to start catching men. And the first thing that Peter did was one, James and John. Jesus didn't call them, he called Peter. And Peter won James and John, or at least they went with Jesus to become disciples. When Jesus called Peter. What God has for you and what God has for Grace Church, just beyond the launch, it won't just impact your life. It's not just going to change you. It's not going to just revolutionize you. It's not just going to bless you. It's not going to just just change everything and, and, and make you into what you're supposed to be. But it's going to impact somebody close to you. It's going to make a difference in somebody's life. The countdown to the miracle that God has for you begins with the launch. It begins with the launch. When we get excited movement again, when we get passionate again and start putting the kingdom of God and doing what it is and not just, not just talk about it, but do what God has intended for us to do, the calling on our life, what it is when we put that in motion, when we put it in motion and begin the launch, 
just beyond that is where the miracle is this morning. So this morning, I know a good many of you. For all of our guests, thank you so much for being here. And there's incredible things that God would like to do, not only in us, but through us, to impact our community, to impact our homes, to impact our workplaces, to impact the lives of people around us, to change the world. And it's all just beyond our launch. So this morning, if in your mind, if in your heart, God is speaking to you about something that you can do, it's your part of the miracle, it's your part of the ministry, it's your part of the future. If He's placed in your heart the dream, the big dream, and you have yet to launch it, you have yet to put the wheels on it, could we determine today that with the help of God that we're going to launch that in the next upcoming weeks and months to make grace the best it can be, to make the kingdom the best that it can be, we're going to open the front up this morning. And if God's dealing with you about something, if there's a, maybe it's something you're trying to run from a little bit, it's something you're really not sure about, would you come talk to God about it this morning? Would you come talk to Him and say, Jesus, if you're saying launch, I'm going to launch. If you're telling me, Jesus, to go big, then I'm going to go big. If you're telling me, Jesus, that there's more that you want me to do, then I want to do it. Would you come this morning and let's just talk to Jesus for a little bit. Let's just talk to Him this morning.